I might be throwing a couple hand grenades here, but like, I don't care. Like companies that don't value this stuff, it's not even that it's just bad for us as leaders, but it, they ship crappy inferior products. Yep. And players get upset and feel bad and feel betrayed. So it's like, it's a lose-lose situation yeah. that we don't want to endorse. So let's talk about that a little bit. Welcome to Building Better Games. Understanding how to get your leaders on board when you identify a problem will be a key part of your effectiveness as a leader. Like it or not, hierarchy exists. You won't be able to solve every problem you see without help. And that help often comes from those senior to you in your organization. Today, we'll look to answer questions like, what does it mean to really drive change as a leader in your org? How do you effectively bring up problems with leadership? And what do you do when no one cares about the issues you bring up? These are tough situations to be in. This episode will help you be heard or perhaps understand why you're being ignored. The frame of this is where you have to have hard conversations with those above you. The two topics we'll dive into as common examples of this that I think almost every leader encounters at some point is I see a problem and it doesn't seem like anybody else sees it. And then the second one is I'm being asked to do things that I don't think make sense or whatever it is. The fundamental problem we're talking about today is like, hey, you need to convince people that something is important and you need to convince people with more authority than you, with more power mm -hmm. than you, that something is important, which is even harder. You cannot as easily exert influence on those people. Right. And one of the things that I want to start with is a piece of advice, honor and appreciate the situation that your leaders are in. When you embark on one of those conversations, their concerns are broader, their stresses are more macro and more existentially threatening. They make the wrong decision that has more consequences for more people. Like these things are all true. And so I would just say, start by appreciating that reality. And I think that this is the case with anybody you are trying to negotiate with or, or convince or connect with appreciate their situation and what they've got on their plate. If you can tie the thing you want to do into a value that you know they hold, a goal that they have, like something that's on their mind and stressing them out, all the better. Yeah. Like this is getting away from that zero sum thinking where it's like, well, by selling you on my idea, it means something else important to you is going to have to be pushed out. It's like, no, find the win-win, find the win-win-win. There is one. If there's one thing about the complexities of product development that has like garnered a lesson for me, it's that there is always a win-win. Like if you're clever enough, you can always find a win-win solution. Mm -hmm. So I guess that's a, a roundabout way of saying, think about why. Yeah. Like when you think you want to make a change, think about why and think about all the concerns of all the parties involved that you need to convince. If you need to convince some leaders above you, think about what they need, what's on their minds, what's important to them. And how do you tie the thing that you're trying to change into an agenda point that they have? I want to reinforce boldly what we're talking about here, which is that, you know, this podcast is all about holistic leadership in games. And what we're trying to do, our mission is to transform leaders into holistic leaders, transform managers into holistic leaders or contributors into holistic leaders. And to me, the word leadership 
is an active word. It is not a mm -hmm. passive word. And so if you're in a place in your career where you're like, well, I can't change anything or my manager won't let me, you have put yourself into a passive stance, mm -hmm. a powerless stance, because you've decided that you cannot make any changes. I think that this is a huge reflection point for you because I want to be clear, you are not leading anymore. You are not a leader anymore. If you are silent when things that you don't agree with are happening, if you are passive when people make decisions that you do not agree with, you are not leading. You are not acting as a leader. Like that is the way we see the world. And I think it's really, really, really important to drive that point home because a lot of people we talk to are in that situation, a ton. These are people that have deep experience and see the system for what it is and see the bigger picture, but they don't engage with that conversation because they don't want to run into resistance or they don't want to threaten their jobs or they don't want to say the wrong thing in the wrong meeting and piss somebody off or whatever. If you've made that decision and you're like, hey, look, the economy's tough right now. I just need my paycheck. Like no judgment for me, but you are not leading. And what we want to talk about today is how to lead in this context and how to actually drive change. I have never seen really strong principled leaders who work really hard to be effective in their roles be wanting for jobs for very long periods of time. There are enough jobs in this industry for everybody. Stand up for yourself. Speak your mind. So let's start with the specific topic to get right into the practical stuff here. A common thing that happens to leaders at all levels is you spot a problem. It may have a dramatic impact on your team or the broader project's ability to succeed. It may have a smaller one, but you see it and you see it clearly. What do you do with that information? Honestly, what we do most often, I think, is tank it and we're silent. And a lot of times that's because we're so overwhelmed with work that the idea of engaging in a conversation and attempting to lead a positive change there just doesn't feel worth it. It's easier to just get my stuff done, in some sense, keep my head down. If everybody in your organization does that, I can almost guarantee the outcome in game dev is going to be a bad product or a never released product or a horrifically buggy product or something like that. Because all the problems are being swept under the rug, the least mature response when you spot a problem is just like not doing anything about it. You may go, okay, you know what? This is a big enough problem. I'm going to risk trying to have this conversation with my boss or a manager or a leader or something, maybe just the team. Hey, I see a problem here. I want to give you kudos because you've done a very courageous thing. You've done a thing that actually a lot of people may never do, but that's still a relatively low level response, if I'm honest. And so we want to start walking up and kind of talking through what are better and better ways when you see that problem. I'd say the next one is you see the problem and you realize like you need help solving it. And so you basically say that, hey, I see a problem and I need help solving it. At this point, you're actively requesting the support of others, especially those leaders. And this is really helpful because one of the things, if you've ever been in a mid-level, even a junior level position, and someone's come to you with a problem one of the things that you're often left thinking in that conversation is, what do you want me to do about this? There was a woman I worked with named Jessica Nam, great producer, a generalist leader of like very high caliber. And one of the things that she expressed to me, she said, Ben, sometimes you say stuff and I don't know what you want me to do. I don't know how you want me to respond. So you're saying like, I see a problem or here's the situation, but like, I don't know what to do with that. Help me. 
And a lot of times we're like, well, we shouldn't have to. You should know. That's incorrect. When you see the problem, others may not have seen it or may not have the context you have to even see it. So when you bring the problem, you say, I see a problem. And then you say, I need help solving it. Now you're saying, oh, okay, you have a problem. Oh, you want my help. Okay, now we can engage in a conversation. You're engaging me in that dialogue. So this is something that's very helpful. Going past that, you get to the, I see a problem. Here's a potential solution to it. Sort of a, what do you think? Hey, I'm going to try this. Here's a solution I might, I might attempt. And I'm requesting your guidance or mentorship or just awareness that I see a problem and I'm going to try to solve it. This one sits in that taking ownership space that you hear a lot about, like taking ownership of whatever the problem is. It's just, okay, I see a problem. I see a way to solve it. I'm just going to inform you. Another one, and this one's uh, even more aggressive, is I'm already working to solve this problem by doing this. I just wanted to let you know. And finally, and, it, and this is a sort of a different look, sometimes you're going to see a problem. You're going to make a serious effort and think deeply about it. And you're going to realize you don't have the resources or you're really not sure what to do. And it's okay to say that. It's okay to say, I saw a problem. I tried to make progress on it. I was not able to. I don't know what to do. Here are the things I tried. I would love help with this. So this is sort of a stack of, you know, from least mature silence up to the most mature. I'm working to solve a problem by doing this. I could use your help with a specific thing, or I just wanted you to be aware that that's what I'm doing. And the higher up this you go, the more you're making it easy for the leader to support you. To me, it comes down to an ownership piece. Like it's not about whether you do or don't know how to solve the problem and you need help. If your stance is like, ah, oh, crap, I don't know how to solve this problem. Leave it on the floor. Mm -hmm. That is adding more stress to the organization than value offered. Now, if you say, I don't know how to solve this, I need to go talk to people who might know how to solve this and figure this out. Mm -hmm different stance entirely. You're still internalizing ownership. And again, I understand the myriad reasons why leaders don't do this. Uh -huh. But I'm saying if you don't do that, if you do not internalize ownership over the problem, up to and including being like, I'm not the right person to solve this, but I found somebody who is. Right. Or I'm not the right person to solve this and we don't have somebody who is. And so right now we have made the decision to leave it on the ground. But those are all leading. You're actively driving solutions. It is not enough to simply raise problems. It is insufficient. It is necessary, but it is insufficient. That is not valuable in and of itself. Transform, make a change. Like just raising it is not enough. And by the way, I say this understanding that there are people who are really good at this, who struggle with being undervalued with that skill set. What I'm saying is I do want to hear it. I need to hear it. And I need to see you doing something about it. And that doesn't mean you solve it yourself or you know how to solve it yourself, but it means you somehow engage the rest of the organization around you in a conversation about how to move forward and make a difference. I fundamentally believe that it is the role of leaders within our industry to solve problems, uh -huh. to solve complex problems. That'll take a different flavor depending on what discipline you're in. If you internalize ownership in your environment about the stuff that's going on around you and you make the decision for yourself that you're going to lead your team to a better place with better solutions, you will massively increase the scope of the problems you can solve. Yes. Because by taking on that ownership, you will necessitate the development of a bunch of new skills. 
I promise you that if you're yes. standing next to somebody who just does what they're told, they're going to have a very narrow and limited capability. Even after years or even decades of being in this industry and gaining experience, if you go out there as a leader and you're like, I'm going to solve whatever problem gets in my team's way, even if I fall flat on my face, you're going to have a massively robust skill set. One of the challenges, and I encounter this so much more in the military than I did in video game development. And so maybe that's why I'm like catching on what you're saying, even though I broadly agree. There was this thing of never bring a problem without a solution. And I understand like the nugget of goodness inside of that. Mm -hmm. The question you're asking, I think, which is a fantastic question, because the risk in over, over leaning into my perspective here is that mm -hmm. now all of a sudden the burden of bringing up an issue is so high. Like the cost of bringing up yes. an issue is so high that I'm like, well, I don't have time to find a solution or I don't know who to talk to or I don't know how to solve this so I don't say anything. Right. There's this sense of every time I bring up a problem, I have now given myself a huge pile of work and I, if I'm really good at seeing problems, I'm con I just like, well, I'm not going to talk about him because every time I bring one up, I end up responsible for it. That was very much a cultural thing, actually. Yeah. So that like that's for me the challenge. The challenge is the leader who sees a lot of problems and realizes if I bring them all up, I'm going to be asked to do something about them. And there is a lack of justice in that, that because you're good enough to spot the fact that there are issues when perhaps everybody else is just heads down, you end up being this person who has to do the same job they're all doing plus figure out how to resolve all these problems. And that, and I think you, you like you've correctly identified, like that's the the extreme version, the overly extreme version of what, you, what you've described of like, you know, every time you bring a problem, you bring a solution. It can get there and I've seen it get there and it's, it's actually quite toxic. And what ends up happening is nobody solves any problems because they recognize to even. We sit around and complain all day. Right. Interestingly, it leads to the complaining in the back channels because if I complain publicly, I'm bringing up a problem and then I'll end up owning it. And in some ways, it becomes this way to silence people. So think about this for you if you're out there and you're a senior leader or mid-level senior leader or something like that, uh, even a team level leader. If you want to hear about problems, you have to make it a safe environment. You have to create incentives that reward people for bringing up those issues. If you don't, you will have a million problems in your organization like everybody else, but you will have no idea what they are because no one's going to talk to you. And so, yeah, so this is where, like, I think, you know, like I said, you, you and I, I believe agree with this in a lot of practical terms. Well, and again, and we're what we're really talking about right now, again, this is this is an interesting debate we're having because I think it touches on there's sort of two angles you can look at this from. One is, is like, what is the employee's responsibility in this? Mm -hmm. Or what is the junior leader's responsibility in this? And then the other one is, is like, what is the organization's responsibility in this? Is what is the senior leader's responsibility in this? And the reality is, is that both should internalize ownership and both should be responsible. Yes. And the only way the organization works effectively, especially if you want a highly autonomous organization, the only way it works effectively is if both sides of the equation do their part. It is true that if you have a group of line leaders, junior leaders that do not internalize responsibility, like don't take on ownership of problems and have low resilience and a proclivity to complain, you are going to run into problems no matter what. And if you have an organization yes. where no one's allowed to say anything or okay. they're going to get their head chopped off or you're going to get labeled as a whiner, you are going to fail no matter what eventually. So like it has yeah. to be both.
It has to be both. And I think that you want to build resilience on both sides in their respective yes. ways. Yeah. And so there, there we walked through first, the least mature response you have is silence. The second is you see a problem. The third is I see a problem and I think I need help solving it. The fourth one is I see a problem and here's how I think we can solve it. And then fifth might be, I'm already working to solve this problem. Here's the thing I found out that I need you to help with. And also, by the way, totally valid. I see a problem and after making serious efforts to solve it, I don't know what to do. Here's what I've tried. I would love help with this. Again, it's okay to not be able to solve every problem you see. That's one of the reasons leaders above you exist. And by the way, that's why you exist as a leader for those that you serve through leading. Like your team, you're supposed to be this for them. You're supposed to be the person that's helping them solve the problems that they see. And the better you are at doing that, the fewer problems your organization will have. We're talking a lot about taking ownership. A part of taking ownership over your own workload, your own priorities, <laughs> is being able to manage that. <laughs> and um, oftentimes people will try to fill up your bucket in ways that don't make sense for what you're trying to solve. So effectively saying no is a part of that equation. Within the context of what we're talking about today, which is like you want to drive a change as a leader and you need to get support from your leaders to do that, part of what that might look like is I'm actually not working on the right stuff. Yes. If I think that this problem I've identified is the most important thing, not only do I need to convince my leaders that I need to work on that, but I also need to help them understand why I may not be able to do the things that they thought I was doing before. Yes. And so there's an, an enlightened conversation you need to drive around doing that for talking about how do you essentially sell the idea that you need to shift to a more important set of priorities, yes. which means that you're not going to do things you were doing before. I'll just cover sort of the, what I call like the bottom half of this, these responses to, to like somebody asking you to do something or, or like you said, I realize something else is more important. A healthy response is something like, look, here's all the things I'm working on right now. And here's how I think about them in priority order. Where would you prioritize this thing that you're asking me to do? What would you basically deprioritize so that that thing got done? I've often encouraged people to have this conversation and it can be a very helpful one with leadership, especially if you have sort of a dotted line relationship with somebody and they can sometimes come in and be like, hey, could you do this thing? And you realize to do that thing is perhaps not to get other things that I think are more important done exposing to them that priority schema and saying like, what do you think is should be deprioritized? Because the answer can't always be or shouldn't always be, we'll just do all of it because that will eventually lead to burnout. It's a common place for people to go because they don't know they're allowed to push back. And by the way, in some organizations, you're not allowed to push back. So you might discover that what they say when you bring up the issue of, hey, here's my priorities, I where would that go and what it comes off my priority stack then? They might just say, well, do everything. And every time you ask, they're just do everything, do everything, do everything. That will become overwhelming for you and it will lead to burnout. And that's a sign of actually a dysfunctional culture. Yeah. Uh, just you know, ever asking people to do more. And again, the way we're re describing some of these right now is kind of in a reactive stance. Like your boss comes to you and says, hey, I have this thing I need you to do. But, mm -hmm. you know, the context we're talking about is a proactive stance that you take as a leader, right? You've identified a problem. You want to drive a solution. You've come to the understanding that that is work that you need to do. And you need to figure out how you're going to fit that into your personal work pie. And maybe other things have to drop off. So how do you negotiate that? How do you proactively have that conversation where you sit down with your manager and you say, hey, these are the priorities as I understand them. 
I'm trying to also bring in solving this problem into this. I think these things are going to need to give. Can I get you on board with that? Junior leaders underestimate how far that proactive stance goes with their leaders, like how refreshing it is when somebody comes in and sits down and says, here's what I see the goals are. Do you agree? Yes, I agree. Here are the five options. You know, here are the top two. I think, which one do you think? And then all I have to do is pick one. And then I know that they just go at the end of that meeting. It's so easy for me to do that. They've sort of created an interface with me that makes my life easier. And to be honest with you, even if I'm like, ah, there are some details here I'm not sure about, I'm so much more likely to just say, yes, go, because we can work the rest out later. One something you said in there too, you specified the goal. And I think this is, that's so powerful. Like you were describing, if you're the junior leader and you go to the senior leader and you say, hey, here's, here's my goal state. Here's where I'm trying to get to. How does what you're asking me to do fit in? Now it really clarifies the conversation. We're attaching to the, the place we're trying to go, the vision or the goal. And I think that's, it's always valid when someone asks you to do something to say, what's the goal of doing this? I want to understand what you're trying to solve. Help me. If I understand that that's what it is, maybe we can solve it this other way. Whatever those things are, that's where you want to go. You're in the meeting with your senior leaders, right? Or you're in the meeting with your manager. You're about to make the pitch. Remember the four principles in your approach to this conversation that are key. Number one, align on the goal state. Don't come in swinging with 17 different methods or super hooked to your specific approach to solving the problem. Get the other leaders in the room on the same page about what you think the goal is. If you can get a round of applause on how you've stated the goals, you've already solved 80% of the problem because the rest is just implementation. The rest is just details. Number two, internalize ownership. Make sure everyone in that room understands that you own that problem, even if you don't know how to solve it, and even if you're not the right person to do the work and implement it. If they feel like you've got it, you're not going to leave the pieces on the floor. You're not going to leave everybody hanging. You're not the one that just raises problems and then forgets about them around the water cooler the next day. You will build trust and you will build confidence in your approach as a leader. Make sure that they know that you believe I will make sure that this gets resolved. By the way, up to and including, we're not going to deal with this right now. Totally acceptable. Number three, make it easy for your leaders. When you're pitching this, when you're getting alignment on this, make it easy for them. Provide them with options so they can just pick one or make it clear that you just need a couple pieces of input from them. So they're going to be much more willing to engage if you're lowering their stress and you're not adding a bunch of work to their plates. Number four, articulate the trade-offs and the costs of a specific approach that you've all agreed you want to take. Make sure that they understand the personal changes in your priority list and the cost to the team or the changes in the team's priority. Make that super, super clear and get alignment on that as the last piece so that everyone understands what to expect. If you do these four things, you can successfully navigate and negotiate your way to solving a lot of problems. And I promise you will drive massive change in your organization. We know that at some point you're going to run into a boss who isn't interested in your lofty ideas of leadership or your ideas about how to change things for the better, who just wants you to sit down, shut your mouth and do what you're told. And possibly even that's baked into the culture of your organization. And, uh, we know, we want to kind of go into that for a couple minutes because 
We also want to appreciate and honor the reality that many of you might feel you're in where you're like, hey, look, like this all sounds great, but this is just not going to work at my current company. And um, there are a million reasons why you might decide to stay at a company that that is true at. Some of them we may not be able to change your mind on because they're perfectly reasonable and you may change our mind on it. But some of them are going to be things that you should challenge for your own psychological health, for your own long-term career goals. And also because honestly, we talked to a couple podcasts back with Josiah about the myth of the dream job. And until we as leaders like really stand up and set boundaries around this stuff, it's going to keep happening. So I think part of the sort of like healing in our industry and the leveling up of leadership is going to be driven by us as leaders and our unwillingness to work at these crappy companies that don't care about this stuff. And I'm sorry, I might be throwing a couple hand grenades here, but like, I don't care. Like companies that don't value this stuff are, it's not even that it's just bad for us as leaders, but it, they ship crappy inferior products and players get upset and feel bad and feel betrayed. So it's like, it's a lose-lose situation that we don't yeah. want to endorse. So let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So let's say you've raised an issue or you've tried to say no or whatever it is, and it didn't go well. You aren't heard. I want to talk about like some of the different responses you can have to that. So one option is you accept it and soldier on. If that becomes a habit for you, you will over time disengage. It's, it's almost impossible to say passionate yeah. under those circumstances when you're just shut down at every, at every point. Another one, work it from a different angle. This can be draining over time if you have to keep doing this and keep doing this and keep doing this. But if you really think something is a major problem, try different ways to get it done. And there's other podcasts we've done. We talked with Zach Blitz a bit ago about trust. We talked with Jeff Hackard about understanding communication styles. You can go check out those podcasts that are a lot about trust building and communication. They might help you see different ways to frame the problem or different ways to engage with senior leadership and those above you around how to solve something. But honestly, I like giving this a few shots. If my first attempt to change something doesn't work, I'll often try to think about how can I reframe this? How can I package this differently, show this differently? And let me try it again. Yeah, it doesn't work infinitely. Eventually you should stop because you you have to sometimes cut your losses and realize you're wasting your time. Another thing to do is, and this one's a little bit more complicated than the previous one, it's take a step back. You might be wrong, acknowledge that. Like have the humility to realize, hey, you're seeing something, you think it's a problem. Maybe it's a trade-off that's worthwhile and other people recognize that. So step back, see if you can validate your concern or, or the problem that you see, either through gathering data, perhaps through discussion and all these things. Again, not just complaining, but like having an active conversation about what's the pros and cons of this and reconsider it. And if you still consider it a problem after having done some evaluation of what that issue is, then you can go ahead and try again. And now you'll have more data or more information to back up your stance. Yeah. And, and ask other people to help you evaluate it as well, right? Like one of the things that can happen is maybe you just don't have the perspective or the experience yet to really fully understand the priority stack or the problems. That will happen, right? Like in theory, the people that are several layers above you are there because they have a ton of experience or more than you and, and maybe potentially have better judgment when it comes to some of these things. So what you can do is when you feel like you're bouncing off that wall multiple times, sit down with them and be like, hey, can you walk me through your thinking on this? Yeah. Because you clearly seem yep. to have a different perspective. Can you walk me through your thinking? Because as a leader, I want to grow and learn. 
And by the way, you might just have your mind blown. You might see something from a completely different angle that you didn't expect. Yes. Yeah, I actually had a conversation like that once. And I, while I didn't walk away agreeing, I walked away understanding why they were making the decision they were making. And even that was very helpful for me in supporting a decision that I wouldn't have made. Because I was like, well, you know what? It isn't an unreasonable position. I can accept that and move forward even if it's exactly what I would have done. The fourth one, and again, this is all under the context of when it doesn't go well, you aren't heard. You know, you don't feel like you're listened to. One thing you can do, and culturally dependent, obviously, attempt to bystand the situation. And a bystand is actually just to reflect what's happening in the conversation. This is something like, hey, forget the content and the issue for a moment. You're talking about how that interaction went. And you say something to the effect of, I feel as though I brought a problem and tried to explain it to you. And I feel like I was not heard or listened to. That's how, that's how this experience has been for me. I wanted to let you know that. Sometimes the other person still doesn't care. They're gonna be like, yep, that's nice. I don't care. That's your problem. Other times though, and I've had an incredibly, there was actually a guy named Jesse Houston, who I basically at one point confronted him and said something like, I didn't think you were listening well in one, in a particular conversation that I observed. And he responded so positively to that. He responded with such immediate like humility and gratitude for me bringing in that feedback. I don't even know if I was right, but he was immediately curious and hopefully, if, if you, ha you might have a leader like that. You might have a leader who might surprise you and really respond positively to you reflecting like, I don't feel heard right now and I feel like this is a big deal. And by the way, bystand way is a facilitation term that basically means to put up a mirror to the behavior that you're seeing amongst others. And that can actually be powerful if you're in the process of where you've tried to bring up the problem, but people aren't seeing this or people aren't agreeing. Maybe there's a self-awareness issue on their part. Okay, so the last two I'm going to hit on, these are the, the most extreme responses in the list I'm giving you, like what to do when you aren't heard, when you aren't listened to, you've brought up the issue, and you're basically just being rejected by those that you were seeking support from. One, elevate the concern. So by this, I mean skip level. Go past the leader that you're talking to to the leader above them. In large enough organizations, there's usually a boss's boss, and you can do this. I describe this as, this can be really risky. The reality is you're putting a target on your back. Yeah, be ready to be fired. <laughs> yeah, this is pretty close to the end of the line. In my view, Yeah, if you're going to do that, you better have tried a million different things first, and you also should be coming at it from a values misalignment perspective as well, because... Whether you believe that this is what you're doing or not, that will be perceived by your boss and perhaps many people in the organization as a vote of no confidence in your boss from you. So just be careful about using that tool. I debate some in some past situations that I've been in whether I should have done this like skip leveled, but I, I chose not to and I, and I don't, I've never convinced myself I should have honestly, because this is a big deal. Like, and the most common thing, if you get to this point where you're thinking about skipping your boss and going past or your whoever that layer above you is, it might be wise to talk to HR before you do that and, and see what options are available. It might be wise to make sure you can get other employment because as Aaron was saying, you paint a target on your back when you elevate past those, that layer because it's very easy for them to feel betrayed. And then you get into all sorts of nuance about should I tell them I'm going past them or not and all these different things. Like all of that is so context dependent 
I could not even begin to advise without knowing so much of an individual circumstance. Just it depends so much. But to Aaron's point, if you get here, you're at the almost the most extreme end. Yeah. And then the last one is remove yourself from the situation. Sometimes this can be done inside of very large companies. So you stay inside the company, but you move to a completely different part of it. Other times, this literally means quitting. I have a very good friend who gave me some advice very early on in my career. He said, Aaron, never be afraid to get fired or leave your job for doing the right thing or believing in the right thing. And I think that that's something I've carried with me. If you have a values misalignment, like a severe values misalignment with your organization or your boss, like you're on borrowed time, regardless, I'm telling you, you're on borrowed time. I'd be willing to put money on it. Like, I think that deep down, we're all in this for meaning of some kind or another. And that meaning is derived from values. So just really be careful about a situation where you feel like you're powerless and you are just kind of keep on keeping on. And also, if you really feel like removing yourself from the situation, like going somewhere else in the company or switching bosses or quitting are the only options for you to not be in a situation where your values misaligned, I will tell you right now, you are going to end up there in one of those situations anyway. Yeah. So like really just, you know, keep that in mind and, and take care of yourself. Like oh, we, I think, you know, we all are at our best when we are in a values aligned situation where we look at the big picture and we're like, I believe in this. And if you don't like that, just keep an eye on that at the very least. Don't don't sweep that under the rug. As we said, those things like one is literally quitting. The other is painting a target on your back to get fired. Just line up your options, get your resume in order. See if you can make sure that like you're you're employable elsewhere, because there are real concerns that we have that are outside of work. We do have to support ourselves, our families, our rents, kids, all the things that we do in life. And that is where, as Aaron and I have said multiple times throughout this, if you choose to accept it and soldier on or choose to stay and sort of, we'll just keep working at it, I'll keep working at it, I'll try different things, that's okay. We all are in different circumstances. I'm not saying you have to, you know, someone didn't agree with me and they said, didn't listen to me, so I need to quit now. No, no, that's not it. Yeah. These bottom two are for extreme and repetitive yeah. issues that relate to values misalignment. And by by the way, I think one of the reasons we view these as a last resort is because you know, we're all prone to becoming crotchety or overly attached to our ideas or self-righteous behavior. Like we're all human beings, right? And there's also always a possibility when you start feeling really passionate that everyone else is a doofus and you've got the right answer and that they're misaligned with your values and this, that, and the other thing, whatever the story is, right? There's always that little chance that maybe you're the doofus. I've been the doofus. And maybe, maybe you need to change. Yeah, maybe you need to change. Maybe there's a growth opportunity here. And by the way, on the bright side, one of the things about soldiering on is you might actually find that on the other side of some of that resilience is, is an ability to swallow your pride and realize that maybe you were wrong on some of this yep. stuff. And maybe there was a different way of looking at it. And I think that that's a valuable thing, too. So like, this is a delicate balance, all of this stuff. I've seen people that quit too soon, that throw in the towels too soon, miss out on growth opportunities. And I've seen people smash their head against the wall for years in a values misaligned situation when they're miserable and when they should have quit earlier. So like, there's no sort of like golden answer we can give you to tell you what you should do in your situation. Just be aware of the trade-offs. And I would say like, again, if you feel like, there's no meaning in your work. That's an alarm bell ringing off. 
that I think you should really introspect on, regardless of what comes out of it. Okay, wrapping up. Today, we've talked a lot about getting senior leaders on board with the problems that you've spotted during game development. We've covered some of the more common conversations out there. And I just want to run through those real quick so you have our, our summarized answer. So we asked some questions at the beginning. The first and second questions were, how do you effectively bring up problems with leadership and how do you say no when others want too much from you? And back to those four key points. One, align on the goal state. Two, internalize ownership. Three, make it easy for your leaders. Four, articulate the trade-offs and costs for you and for the team. This is the way to effectively pitch that to your leaders in that conversation. And our third question, what do you do when no one cares about the issues you bring up, i.e. when no one listens to you? There's a ton of specific suggestions we gave about how to handle this, uh, some anti-patterns and some active stances you can take. You know, beware of accepting it and soldiering on. Try to look at things from a different angle. Step back and validate your concerns. You know, sit down with your leaders and say, help me understand. Maybe there's a learning experience for you. Reflect back to the organization what you're seeing. If you keep bouncing off with your solution or your suggestion, maybe you can help them see something that they're missing and raise self-awareness. Elevate the concern to do some skip level raising of issues. Again, remember, this is really risky, but it could be the right answer in an extreme situation. And then finally, if you need to, get out. Switch teams, switch bosses, or leave the organization if you need to. What we want you to do is be aware and practice self-awareness around when you are in a situation that is values misaligned. Make sure that there's meaning in your work. All right, so in all of this, there is no silver bullet, but we hope you are now able to get the ball rolling on improving your own situation. Thanks for listening. 